If you're loving the Bible Brief, will you take just a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? We're having hundreds of people every week try out the show, and we want you to help even more discover the Bible Brief. Potential listeners depend upon your reviews to learn why they should listen. So will you do us a favor? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Join the cause to help the world learn the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Jesus brings new significance to the Passover feast. How does the Passover from the final plague on Egypt relate to Jesus? Find out today on The Bible Brief. The Passover event became one of the most solemn and holy days on the calendar of the Israelite nation. Commanded by God, this event was celebrated to mark the deliverance that occurred simultaneously with the tenth plague upon Egypt. While the firstborn of Egypt were being slain, the firstborn of Israel were being passed over. And not just because they were Israelites. No, they were passed over from death because they faithfully obeyed God's command regarding lambs. Each household was to take a one-year-old male lamb, kill it, roast it, eat it, and put its blood on the doorposts and lintel of the home. Upon seeing the blood of that lamb, God would pass over the house in judgment. The firstborn of every house in Israel would be spared because of the blood of the lambs. We should notice something in this that sits in contrast to the other plagues. In prior plagues, God had automatically exempted Israel. But in the final plague, he requires an act of faith. It was a test of sorts, where Israel had to believe God and do what he said, or they would be counted among the houses of Egypt with wailing over the loss of the firstborn. They had to slay the lamb, and they had to apply the blood. Abraham was tested too. It was Abraham's son, his only son, the son he loved, who God commanded to be sacrificed at Moriah. There at Moriah, it was at the last moment where God stopped Abraham and provided a ram instead of Isaac as the burnt offering. It was there that Abraham said, On the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Abraham knew that God would provide, even if he didn't know how. Both at Moriah and at the Passover, substitutes were given in the place of people. An animal was substituted as a sacrifice to the Lord. Blood was spilled in the place of sons. Yet Abraham, there at Moriah, spoke words that have significance perhaps more than he fully understood at the time. Abraham said, On the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Two thousand years later, among the mountains of Moriah, his words would reach their most significant fulfillment. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, some of the most consequential words said about him are exclaimed by John the Baptist in front of a crowd. John sees Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's here right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry that we see the direction of the life of Jesus. It's the same direction of the lambs of the Passover and the ram at Moriah. The earthly life of Jesus is going toward blood. 
Jesus is identified as the Lamb of God who, don't miss this, takes away the sin of the world. Somehow, Jesus is going to be the ultimate lamb in the Bible. Not the ram that dies in the place of Isaac, nor the lamb that dies in the place of the firstborn of Israel. No, Jesus is going to be the lamb that dies for the sin of the entire world. We learn from John the Baptist that Jesus is the lamb of God, a lamb who would suffer for the sin of the world, whose blood would be shed on the world's behalf. Jesus would be the substitute. This announcement at the beginning of Jesus' ministry is an announcement related to the culmination of his ministry in Jerusalem about three years later. And the climax of the ministry of Jesus is in a context that will be familiar to us. Let's read beginning in Luke chapter 22. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put Jesus to death, for they feared the people. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent his disciples Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. Note the context here. We're in the middle of the great celebration of the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. Lambs by the thousand are being slain at the temple in Jerusalem before being roasted. Unleavened bread and bitter herbs are being prepared, along with other sides for the meal. This holy occasion of the Passover, ten days into the Jewish New Year, is coming to its culmination. All around Jerusalem, the people are remembering the amazing acts of God to save their firstborn from death by the blood of the lambs. They dwell on the fact of God's severe and miraculous deliverance of their nation 1,500 years prior from their Egyptian slavery. And it's in the midst of this event that Jesus comes to the table with his disciples. Let's continue reading in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup of wine after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is doing something monumental with this Passover meal. It had been a meal for looking backward for hundreds and hundreds of years. It had been a meal for reflecting upon God's great substitution of the lambs for the firstborn of Israel. It had been a meal expressing escape from God's fierce judgment upon Egypt. But here, Jesus adds to the significance. No longer would it merely be the Passover in Egypt that would be remembered. Now, it would be the global Passover of sin that would be remembered. No longer will the lambs and the blood in Egypt be in mind. Now it will be the body and the blood of Jesus. The old Passover was going to make a way for something new and greater. God's great Passover of sin was just beginning, but it would require the blood 
of the Lamb of God. Years later, the Apostle Paul would write to a church in the city of Corinth with these words. He would say, Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. By the Holy Spirit, this Jewish believer in Jesus recognized and expressed the great significance of this Passover meal and the events that would follow during the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Jerusalem. He saw that Jesus is greater than the lambs of Egypt and that his blood accomplished something greater than theirs. Those lambs allowed the firstborn of Israel to live. This lamb, the firstborn of God, would be slain so that all might live. The cross of Jesus is the death of the Lamb of God as a substitute for mankind. Jesus takes our sin and offers His blood to cover us. But don't forget something about that first Passover. The people had to do something with the blood in order for death not to visit their households that night. They had to put it on the doorposts and lintel of their homes. It was only in this act of faith that the people could escape the judgment of God. The great Passover of Jesus is no different. Each one of us has to do something with the blood of Jesus. All we have to do is receive it. And the means by which we receive the blood of Jesus is faith. We don't have to do a special act for God. We don't have to be a perfect person for God. No, all we need to do is believe in Him. And in return, His blood covers us. Everlasting death will not visit us, because by faith we have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Our Passover lamb, the Lamb of God, has been sacrificed. A new era has come. Deliverance from the bondage of sin has come. Life in abundance is available, because there, on a mountain in Moriah, God provided. The Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. He was whipped and bruised. He suffered immensely. He shed his blood. He became the ultimate substitute. And he did it for you. What should we remember on the Passover? What should we remember when we partake of the Lord's Supper? We should remember the body and the blood of Christ. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Join us next time as we go back to the Exodus. Israel is leaving Egypt, but before long, they have cavalry on their tail with nowhere to go. A sea is in front of them, 
with charioteers behind, and God splits the sea. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023